Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Squid. Dollar Days is the penultimate track on David Bowie's album Black Star, and while it appears to be a straightforward ballad, especially when taken in context with the previous song Girl Loves Me, there is still enough wordplay and tricky sleights of hand to keep the fans guessing about its ultimate meaning. After experiencing the reality tour at the end of 2003 and beginning of 2004, I assumed that I would see David Bowie concerts in the not-too-distant future. He appeared to be having a great time on the road with his band, and even though it was foolish to guess what form his next album might take, I was more than prepared to travel anywhere in the world to see the great man perform again. But halfway through the year, events took a turn for the worse. On June 18th in Oslo, Norway, Bowie was hit in the eye with the stick of a lollipop that had been thrown by a fan. 
And then a week later at the Hurricane Festival in Germany, Bowie suffered chest pains while performing on stage. It was originally believed to be a pinched nerve, but further tests revealed it was an acutely blocked coronary artery which required an emergency angioplasty in Hamburg. The remaining 14 shows of the reality tour were soon cancelled. The next few years saw little of David Bowie as he spent that time recuperating with his family. He made sporadic appearances on songs for TV on the radio and Kashmir. He also made a couple of appearances with Arcade Fire and a surprise appearance at David Gilmour's Royal Albert Hall concert in London. In November 2006, Bowie performed alongside Alicia Keys at a benefit event for Keep a Child Alive in New York. Nobody knew this in the moment, but that would be the final time David Bowie would perform his music on stage. There'd be little appearances here and there. He curated the 2007 Highline Festival. He performed on Scarlett Johansson's album Anywhere I Lay My Head, which is an album of Tom Waits covers. The reality tour was released as a double album and the Lost Bowie album Toy was leaked onto the internet. He made one of the greatest entrances ever seen in a movie when he played Nicholas Tesla in Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. Most joyously, Bowie appeared as himself on Ricky Gervais' series Extras, where he sang Chubby Little Loser to Gervais' loser character. But apart from these snatched glimpses, Bowie was a ghost who appeared to have retired from the limelight. And who could blame him? He was married to his beautiful wife, Iman. He had a young daughter to raise. His son, Duncan Jones, was premiering his excellent debut movie, Moon, in 2009. Bowie could just shake off the glitz and glamour and return to being David Jones, a happy family man living his life. Of course, that wouldn't stop me from every few months scouring the net to see if there were any hints of a new album. Or maybe he'd do something intimate, a theatre show in New York where he'd tell stories and intersperse them with the appropriate songs. If you ever saw Bowie tell a story, you know he was a raconteur and had many tales from decades of performing to draw on. Yet as the years continued to slip away, the likelihood that he was coming back seemed more and more remote. In 2013, a few years before his 66th birthday, I was listening to his album Heathen, and I finally came to the conclusion that he's not coming back. And you know what? That's more than fine. I would prefer to know he was out there in the world enjoying his life. He'd given me enough. I'd derived such joy from his work for the past 30 years. I'd learned about so many other artists or even types of artistic expression through his work. So I guess it was time to find other people to inspire me. Also, his work is so layered. I'd continue to find new ways to experience his songs and look at his work for many years to come. Why should I want or ask for any more? He'd given me enough. Enjoy the retirement. Then on his birthday, his son wrote a happy birthday message on Twitter. I saw it come up and thought it was pretty cute. Then he followed that up with a tweet that pointed out that his father hadn't released an album in 10 years. Okay, weird to point that out, but I still think it's nice that he's tweeting about his dad. Then one more tweet came, and it suggested that we might want to head over to iTunes. I opened iTunes so quickly, I couldn't even remember the moment happening. And once there, waiting for all of us, was a brand new song with a brand new clip called Where Are We Now? And not just a new song, but the promise of a new album. I honestly couldn't believe it. It was only a few days prior that I had made my peace with the idea that Bowie was retired, that he was done producing new work. And then like a reward for letting go, he'd returned with a new song, a new album. 
I watched the clip over and over. I honestly couldn't believe it. The melancholy of the track counterbalanced the thrill that raced through my mind and body. I don't know when I noticed that my cheeks were wet, but it wasn't until my fingers wiped the tears from my face that I realised I'd been weeping while I was experiencing the new song. The first time I'd wept during a Bowie song was in that moment at Dublin, after Under Pressure finished and the gentle piano playing of Mike Garson on Life on Mars began. I'd been overwhelmed with emotion listening to Bowie over the years, but that was the first time I'd actually sort of cried. That moment in 2013 was the second time. The third time was when I first listened to this song, Dollar Days. Let's slide into the Squid Bits part of the podcast as we study the lyrics for clues on what it could all mean. According to Donnie McCaslin's band, Dollar Days was one of the last songs to be composed for Blackstar. In fact, Bowie walked into the studios without even a demo and instead strummed out the basics of the song on a guitar. Over the next few hours, Bowie and the band not only built the song, but also had it recorded. Dollar Days was produced so quickly that McCaslin and Jason Lidner couldn't at first quite remember the song, although Tim Lefebvre recalled feeling an incredible sadness while they recorded it. While experiencing Dollar Days for the first time, it comes across as quite a lush and melancholic ballad. The song opens with the sound of papers being shuffled before opening with these words. There's an appearance of nostalgia in the way the words dance along with the music, but let's take a look at that first line. Cash girls suffer me. Being a cash girl was a job young girls could occupy in American department stores over a century ago. Sales clerks would summon a cash girl, who often wasn't even referred to by her name, but just the word cash, and the girl would be required to run the customer's money to the cashier and then return with the receipt. They were often around the age of 14, possibly even younger. The hope was that if they were lucky, they might be able to advance to a position in the sales force, but that was extremely unlikely and they rarely moved further up the store's hierarchy. As far back as 1883, a Labour leader informed Congress that the life of a cash girl was often ruinous for these poor children. So with that in mind, let's move on to the next set of lyrics, and we realise this is less nostalgic than we thought, as there is some fire to the words. Oligarch, of course, comes from the word oligarchy, a word Aristotle coined 2,300 years ago to describe a small group holding power in a state. In modern terms, Misha Ketchell at theconversation.com writes that it remained largely something academics wrote about. Then, with the breakup of the Soviet Union in the early 90s, young players in the financial sector were able to finance Russia's post-Soviet Union president Boris Yeltsin, and they benefited from these government connections to amass even more wealth very quickly. Putin gave oligarchs a modern definition when he claimed that they're people who use their proximity to authorities to receive super profits. Interesting. From there we move to the title of the song, Dollar Days. This is a shopkeeper's term which means a bonanza state or when a store is closing down and you have to cut retail costs to move your inventory. Bowie follows the title with the word survival sex, a term that is used to describe when the poor and exploited have to sell their bodies for food or lodgings. Considering the next line is honour stretching tails to necks, if we look at the term tails as slang, it is usually used in a disparaging way to describe a girl's bum. With all of this in mind, suddenly the song isn't a ballad at all. By the time that Bowie sings, it feels like a man coming to terms with the end and he isn't happy to say goodbye. 
The song ends with the lyrics, I'm trying to, I'm dying to. Two lines holding each other until they're gently submerged. The double meaning of I'm dying to ringing in our ears. But what could this all mean? Let's go full horseshoe as we speculate on this. My first impression of this song was that it was about a breakup with a loved one. Their relationship reduced to money, phone calls here and there asking for more, and every time he thinks he can move on, there they are again, reminding him that they never really left. Is this another song that bears the scars of Angie Bowie? I don't think so, but it is funny to wonder considering where we finished on our previous podcast with the song Girl Loves Me. Bowie was quoted back in 99 when he was out promoting the album Hours that when he writes a song that is personal, it doesn't necessarily make it autobiographical. That was an album with songs from the perspective of an unhappy man. Bowie was of course really happy at the time of making Hours, making the music he wanted to make, free of compromise and deeply in love with Iman and his life. He did say that the price he paid for writing elliptical lyrics means that people scrutinise his songs and make all sorts of wild pronouncements about what they mean. And this album is full of double and triple meanings to keep his fans debating forever. So with that in mind, I'll share with you what I think this song is about today. To me, this is a man saying goodbye to the artistic voice, the creative energy that burns deeply and has at times been subsumed by the worst aspects of his life. To live a life that is married to art is in many ways a deeply unsettling one, with those who see the creative spirit as a way to make money and nothing more. It's all about the bottom line, and even though the narrator would love to pull one more trick on these oligarchs who reduce people to less than numbers, he's not going to make it. He's not going to reach it. Everything is now on sale. Time to go. Put up the chairs. Turn out the lights. Don't laugh, babe. It will be alright. I'm dying to. These are his last contributions to his craft, and he has one more song left to sing. As always, uh, I'm indebted to the work of Chris O'Leary and Nicholas Pegg. I've mentioned that throughout the uh, previous podcast. Please go and check out their work. And Misha Ketchell's article on oligarchy uh, at theconversation.com was fascinating as well, so I would really recommend checking that out if you have more interest in looking in that direction. Before we go, let's finish with my I spend too much time alone thought and tell you about the third time I wept while listening to a Bowie song. In September of 2015, I'd been offered a job in Sydney and by the end of October, I'd left Melbourne, my home for 13 years and was now living in a cavernous apartment in Surrey Hills. On January 8th, 2016, our radio show finished for the morning and I immediately caught the lift downstairs to buy the newly released Blackstar. As soon as I could leave, I went home and proceeded to have a wonderful weekend of listening to the album over and over. I even had it on my iPod so I could listen to the songs while I was at the gym. But getting back to that first listen, I laid on my lounge to experience the album from beginning to end, my eyes closed, the morning sun crawling towards its lunchtime zenith. All the songs connected in some way, and as a whole it inspired my thoughts to jumble up and down and around one another. And then dollar days came on, the gentle shuffling of papers being moved to one side. What are they? Words on bits of scrap paper? Bills being pushed to one side? And then the song carefully took me by the hand and led me somewhere I didn't recognise and had never thought to walk before. By the end of the song, 
lying there on the lounge. I could feel tears slipping down my cheeks, but I didn't really know why. That was on the Friday. On the Sunday, I spoke to my mum and she asked me what I thought of the new album. I raved about how it was mad with energy, how I genuinely believed that he'd made another classic Bowie album that would stand side by side with some of his best, that it showed he was on top of his game. I hoped that maybe he'd perform some small shows with a full band, even, even though it was extremely unlikely. But I really wanted to know what these songs would sound like live and which songs from his vast library he'd perform alongside these new songs. I loved the album. Although there was one song that I had to confess to mum took me by surprise. I told her that the second to last song made me weep, and that for the first time I contemplated that there might one day be a world in which David Bowie was no longer with us. I couldn't put my finger on it, but this song spoke to mortality, and I figured I should prepare myself for some time when I lived in a world without him being around. But I have to say, when I shared this thought with mum, I was talking about much later in the future. At this point, I figured Bowie had only just returned to us a few years back, and after hearing this album, it was obvious the fire was still burning and we had many more albums to embrace. I said goodbye to Mum on that Sunday afternoon, and I wouldn't speak to her again until the next day when I would call her to tell her that David Bowie was dead. Thank you for being a part of Big Squid. We only have one episode left for season two. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and I look forward to your company for the finale. Until then. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.